Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Friday, March 11th, 2022. Well, I hope our journey through the Bible this year is helping you to think differently about the book of Numbers. Often just by that title, we think of it as a boring book, but I hope that you're seeing some really critical things happen in this book. And even the numbers themselves are meant to be numbers of armies or numbers of warriors that were meant to go in and take the promised land. But even maybe now the word numbers, when you think of this book, will get you thinking differently because you'll remember all those numbered at the beginning of the book die in the wilderness except for two. And they die because of their lack of faith, as we saw in chapters 13 and 14. And so that's why everybody that was numbered at the beginning will die except for Joshua and Caleb, because they were the two spies who stood up in faith to serve the Lord. And then that was a great thing that they did. But Today, I want us to talk maybe about the saddest number. As you think of the people that did not enter the promised land, perhaps there's no individual quite as sad as Moses himself. We know Moses will not enter the promised land, but today it's in chapter 20 that we find out why Moses doesn't go into the promised land. And we see a sad story there, but one that should be instructive for us. So today in our Old Testament reading, we're looking at Numbers 18 through 20. And the first chapter there, chapter 18, talks about the priests and the Levites. Interesting how you see a lot of just the offerings that the people would bring were meant to be a portion for the priests and the Levites, right? Their job was not to work the land, and to have this kind of more normal occupation, they were set apart to serve the Lord uh, in the tabernacle. And so these offerings were what was meant to feed them. But it's, it's interesting. One thing that stood out to me from that chapter was how even the priests and Levites, they were supposed to give still a tenth of what they received. It calls it a tithe of the tithe. So you see, everybody is called to be involved in, in giving there in that society, uh, really all geared towards the worship of the Lord in that setting. In chapter 19, we see rules about purification. And again, this reminds us of Leviticus and um, the, the thrust is not so much on rules for rules sake. It's really focusing on holiness and uh, th- that theme flowing over from Leviticus. But then we get to our story here in chapter 20, where we want to spend most of our time today and f- answer the question, why did Moses not make it into the promised land? And what we see is the waters of Meribah in verse 2. Now there was no water for the congregation, and they assembled themselves together against Moses and against Aaron, and the people quarreled with Moses and said, Would that we had perished when our brothers perished before the Lord. Why have you brought the assembly of the Lord into this wilderness, that we should die here, both we and our cattle? And why have you made us come out of Egypt to bring us to this evil place? It is no place for grain or figs or vines or pomegranates, 
and there is no water to drink. So here we see, again, they're complaining, and even they're, again, impugning uh, the authority of Moses. They're really questioning the goodness of God and bringing them out of Egypt. This is not a good look for the people of Israel. And so Moses and Aaron, they go and they fall on their faces before the glory of the Lord, and God says, you know, tell the rock to give water and bring water out of the rock for the congregation. So Moses goes to the rock, but look what happens in verse 10. Then Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock, and he said to them, Hear now, you rebels, shall we bring water for you out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand and struck the rock with his staff twice. And water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank and their livestock. So there we see the water comes out of the rock, problem solved. But look again, even he says, must we bring water? And he strikes the rock as opposed to speaking to the rock as God instructed him. So now look at what God says to Moses and Aaron. Because you did not believe in me, so to uphold me as holy in the eyes of the people of Israel. Therefore, you shall not bring this assembly into the land that I have given them. And so there, uh, we see a, such a strong statement that should get our attention. God looks at Moses' failure to obey, and even, I think, involved in this is Moses' anger in response to the sin of the people. And he says, hey, Moses, you didn't believe me, and you didn't honor me as holy. Now, that's where, does Moses have a pretty legitimate beef with the people of Israel? Are they sinning against God? Are they sinning against Moses? Yes, absolutely, they are. But, he does not honor God as holy by doing what God said. And so now we need to think through our own reactions. And I think particularly when when we are frustrated by the sin of others, we need to make sure that that does not lead us to sin ourselves, whether that's through anger. I mean, here you have that picture of him striking the rock. How often do we strike something in our anger, even when that anger might be a response to sin from somebody else? Or you think of sinful responses like bitterness or a a refusal to forgive somebody else. Um, Just all the ways we could sinfully respond to the sins of others. And we might want to say, well, they did it first. I mean, look what they did. No, God wants to look at us and say, no, when you sinned, even if it was in response to somebody else, you didn't believe in me and you didn't honor me as holy in the eyes of whoever was watching. That needs to be something that really sticks in our brains and sticks in our hearts. The next time you sin in response to someone else's sin and you want to say, but, but, and point the finger at them. Just remember God's words to Moses, because you did not believe in me to uphold me as holy in the eyes of the people of Israel. We are surrounded by sinners, but we serve a God who is holy. And he is calling us, even in those incredibly difficult situations, to honor him as holy. And that's even going to be part of the solution. What's going to help us not respond sinfully to the sins of others? Uh, A real belief in a holy God, trusting that, hey, he will take care ultimately of them. He will take care of the problem. My job is to trust and obey. 
That is my job before the Lord. That's how I can believe in him and honor him as holy by trusting him and obeying him, no matter what anybody else is doing to me. So again, when you think of the book of Numbers, think of the failure of faith of the people of Israel, but also now think of Moses' failure to honor God as holy in the people's eyes. And may we learn lessons from those uh, examples. May we uh, not have that failure of faith the people had. May we not fail to honor God as holy like Moses and Aaron did. May we learn some incredibly valuable lessons from this maybe poorly named book of Numbers. Now let's move on to the New Testament where we look at John chapter 8 verses 31 through 59. And this continues a conversation we started yesterday and we spent a lot of time kind of on the issue of how do we know where we got our English Bibles from yesterday. Uh, So we want to consider today a little more even of the theme that was begun in verse 12. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. As we consider that, um, we want to follow Christ, and if we are following Christ, we will not walk in darkness. It is impossible to truly believe in Christ and to be unchanged. And we see more of that theme uh, as we pick it up in verse 31. Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, You are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So there we see, that's kind of similar to walking in the light. If we really abide in Christ, if we really know the truth, the truth will lead to freedom. Freedom from what? Great question. Jesus answers in verse 34, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. So here it comes down to really an important issue of understanding the gospel itself. Um, We need to see that the gospel It includes more than simply forgiveness when we die and not going to hell but going to heaven. The problem is we are slaves of sin in this world without Christ. We are born into sin. We live as slaves of sin. And that's where we want to get into, well, you know, God's sovereignty, human responsibility, but let's just take the scriptures at their face value. Yes, are we making choices to sin? Absolutely. But is there a slavery? Is there a bondage of our thinking of our wills towards sin? Absolutely. And the only one that can break us out of that is Jesus Christ. And here we talk about faith in him, abiding in him, uh, believing in the truth, following him. That's what we need. So we need to realize the biblical gospel is more than just about, you know, what happens after we die. Jesus came to set us free right here and right now from the bondage of sin. And that needs to be a critical component as we come As we explain the gospel to others, as we do ministry to others, you cannot believe in Christ and walk in darkness. You can't truly be a follower of Christ and be a slave of sin. If you're still a slave of sin, then Jesus hasn't set you free. And these are important things that will come up. We also see just one of the strongest statements of the deity of Christ in the gospel of John in this passage, just as it comes down to this back and forth at the end where he says, Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. And they say, you are not yet 50 years old. And have you seen Abraham? And Jesus says to them, truly, truly, I say to you before Abraham was, 
I am, right? And again, that's using from Exodus 3, the name of God, I am who I am. And Jesus is claiming to have existed before Abraham. And he doesn't just say before Abraham was, I was. He says before Abraham was, I am. I mean, what can that possibly be pointing to but the deity of Christ, but the preexistence of Christ, just a strong argument towards that. So may we put our faith in Christ and walk in the freedom uh, that he brings, but may we also learn a lesson from perhaps the saddest number in the book of Numbers as we think of Moses and also his brother Aaron and their failure to enter the promised land because they didn't trust God in that moment, even though they were responding to the sin of others. They didn't honor God as holy, and let that be a warning to our lives as we live today. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.